Okay, hello, and welcome to the latest episode of Innovations in Education, eSchool News' podcast on the latest and greatest happenings in K-12 education this week. I'm Kevin Hogan, and I'm glad you found us. In this episode, we focus on the work of ed tech in school from the people perspective. I mean, sure, all the gear and software and services are great. After all, we're all geeks here, am I right? But really, the most impactful aspect of how these tools are used by teachers and students, and in this case of all of these examples this week, administrators, is really the, what the focus should be. It's not the tools, it's, it's how you use them. First off, Michael Webb, he's the CTO of Identity Automation. He pens an important essay on how curriculum and IT leaders should work together to ensure strong cybersecurity practices as they strive to protect student-sensitive data and information. In the fall of 2021, the Center for Internet Security's Multi-State Information Sharing and Analysis Center, say that five times quickly, uh, they reported an expected 86% increase in cybersecurity incidents that target K-12 school systems over the course of one year. And that's that's pretty daunting stuff. This is really a never-ending war. He writes... Number one, it's important for schools to beef up their cybersec skill sets. He writes, attacks on unprepared systems often come down to a lack of detection and accidental data leaks due to improper storage of documents on school-provided cloud drives. In an ever-changing world, the internal and external portfolio of aggregate skill sets that are provided by IT talent must continue to evolve over time. Continue to evaluate where these gaps are on an annual basis, and that provides systems with the balances they need between agility and financial efficiency. By being proactive regarding the auditing of vendors and managing the access and permissions of learning management apps used in schools, administrators can create a more robust security posture for their school. He continues that, number two, it's important to cultivate a security-centric culture. This is where the people come in. By creating a healthy culture of discussion between the superintendent, the board, and educators, IT can promote a holistic way of working with a more formalized governance, risk, and compliance program. And here's our acronym for the week, the GRC, Governance, Risk, and Compliance. In recognizing security risk management as everyone's responsibility, district stakeholders and administrators can work together to decide how best to handle the risk at hand with minimal impact on instruction time. Finally, number three, you must have layers of protection. Establishing such defenses requires securing data through multi-factor authentication, identity and access management systems, endpoint protection, and backup and recovery. So there's much more to this piece, and it's called Three Collaborative Strategies to Bolster Cybersecurity. And you can check it out up on the news feed this week at eschoolnews.com. But again, I find it interesting that you know behind all those technologies, it's really about establishing a culture where your people understand not only the importance of this, but how to battle against what is probably the number one challenge for school districts today. Next up, 
Ismael Tabalas, he's the principal at Union Hill Elementary School. He explains how he creates a sense of purpose throughout his school without causing unnecessary anxiety and fear. His piece is called Three Ways to Highlight Productive Urgency While Avoiding Teacher Burnout. And you can also find it right up on top at the school News' homepage this week. His first piece of advice, jump in with your teachers. He writes, during the pandemic, just like other educators around the country, our teachers were struggling to deliver high quality instruction. A lot of our educators were not great on computers, including me. I had to become very involved to show teachers and students I was learning right along with them. It was a new mode of delivery that we suddenly had to adopt with no training and without adequate technology. So those struggles were no fault of their own, but they were a challenge for the whole community. Number two, he suggests, when everything is in crisis, focus on progress. He writes, we set targets to reach for literacy and math at every grade level, and we worked hard to meet them. We didn't always get everything we wanted, but by shooting for excellence, we got a lot closer to it than if we never tried. Right now, growth is what's most important, not whether we can reach some sort of data point. I think that's a really strong insight there. Uh, And number three, focus on professional learning and support. For us, the area we thought we would offer the greatest return on was in delivery of instruction. We emphasized our professional learning communities, which comprise teachers across each grade and an instructional coach. Our administrative team continued twice weekly classroom visits to identify effective practices to share or to support for teachers who needed it. His journey through the pandemic and how it continues as both the school and and his district try to kind of regain from those learning gaps is is a pretty inspiring one. I encourage you to, to check it out. And finally, as we continue to collect nominations for this year's Hero Awards, you can check out the details under the Hero Awards tab on the eSchool News homepage. We look back at another one of the last year's winners. This week, it's the San Diego Unified School District. Julie Garcia, the district's director of instructional technology, details how they prioritized meaningful teacher PD as well as student engagement during those dark months of of 2020. Here's a snippet. Let's get right into it. So I hate talking about it. I'm tired of it. (laughs) But talk about that time uh, and the pivot that you had to make there in San Diego in terms of turning into an all remote school district? So it was, it was quite a challenge. You know, we sent everybody home on Friday the 13th. So March 6th, when when we were curating all of those lessons that you referred to, those started a ways back. So even in February, we were trying to plan ahead for what happens if kids have to go home. And, you know, people were really kind of joking, oh, that's not going to happen, right? Right. Hindsight, it's interesting. So we did, we gathered resource teachers from central office. We created these lesson plans for teachers. And really that was kind of our first eye-opening experience for creating lessons for having others create lessons for accessing materials online because it was a learning process in itself. People were designing different formats for lessons. There wasn't consistency. There were different things that this department was having students do this and this other departments were having them access content in a different way. So this website actually started as a 
an interesting learning experience for us all in how people just create content online for students yeah. to access. So that was our first learning experience. And then when we did all go home, I had this crazy idea. I'm like, hey, teachers are at home. They never have time to like learn technology on their own. Let's just offer some fun Zoom lessons. And so we started offering some Zoom classes for teachers while they were at home, tools for engagement. You know, we did like formative assessment type things and Flipgrid and like fun things that like when teachers would, you know, go back to their classrooms in a few weeks, ha ha ha, yeah. they might be able to try some of these new tools on and so on. And so as that week went on, we started to realize we might be shifting to online learning. <laughs> this is going to have to go beyond the fun engagement tools. It's going to have to go into how do I use a learning management system to teach? How do I engage students in, in a Zoom or Google Meet type setting? And so we totally shifted gears. I, I do, though, I have to say that even during those couple of weeks when we were offering the fun tech classes, there were days when we were seeing five to 700 teachers a day coming to learn technology, which made us feel really good. So due to the large numbers, I know you mentioned that we do have 5,000 educators. We, those are our teachers. We also had to include a couple thousand paraeducators, other staff members. So, so the, it, it got a bit bigger, but we refocused we narrowed ourselves down to three platforms of learning management systems that, that we would provide or provide support for recommend use. And it, what it really came down to was the volunteer teachers. So those teachers that were in still teaching students preparing to teach online, but they knew that our little department of six could not train 5,000 teachers. So we gathered all of these teachers, we prepared content for them, we, we made the presentations and the workshops together, and then we offered up to 30-something classes a day for our educators, mostly due to my wonderful department and the teachers that volunteered their time to help teach colleagues in our district. So it's probably some of the most I, I am the most proud of, of that work that I think I've probably ever been, except a few times maybe as a classroom teacher, but sure. <laughs> outside of the classroom, what we accomplished was incredible. Great stuff, right? Do you have a good story to tell? Should you be acknowledged for your heroic work this year? If you're a school leader, contact your technology vendors and partners and ask to be nominated. The deadlines for this year's awards is September 1st. And again, it's the Hero Awards tab up on the homepage at eSchool News, and you can get all those details. And that about wraps it up for this episode. Be sure to check back on eSchoolNews.com for all the latest and greatest news and analysis for what's happening in the EdTech space. Remember, eSchool is always free and always trying to help innovative educators just like you. Until next time, I'm Kevin Hogan for eSchool News.